Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hello, and welcome to Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews, and Authentic Living is brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. What is, does it mean to be spiritually responsible? Well, our guest today, Stephen Morrison, has a lot to say about that as he blogs and writes and speaks and offers workshops on the topic of spiritual responsibility. He is the creator of The Spiritual Workout, about which we're going to be talking today, and the author of the book, An Extra Year, Grief and Loss in the New Age. The book is a personal memoir of his ongoing relationship with his partner after his partner's death as Stephen fumbled his way through an initiatory understanding of clairsentience. So, here we are today, talking with Stephen Morrison, and uh, Stephen, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you today. Thank you, Andrea. It's a pleasure to be with you. Okay. Well, tell us about An Extra Year. How did you come to write that book? What was it that sort of pushed you to write that book, and what is that book really trying to convey? Well, <clears throat> sometime after I had completed the first year after my partner crossed over, in my dealings with other people, it just became very, very clear to me that the process I had had, and to some degree was still having, was so very different from kind of the, from what everybody else was having. And um, my process was really quite enriching. And it just felt like maybe telling my story, my process would be helpful to people and might uplift and heal. So I kind of started to get excited about it, sat down to write it, and it would not come. I couldn't get more than three sentences out. Yeah. And uh, so it just wasn't time. And I was still, you know, like I say, still in the process a bit. Um, and then the window opened, and the universe said, it's time. <laughs> and so I wrote it, and with the intent, really, that it would help people to um, maybe look at this whole death and dying, grief and loss thing that we have been living with as humans since we've been humans uh, in perhaps a different way. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm real grateful you wrote the book because it definitely has a whole lot to share about this whole idea of grief and loss because we typically, as you said, think of the norm of grief as one of two things. We either need to just cut our losses and move on, which a lot of our other people in our society say, or we go through a grief process that's very painful and and we often want to feel better uh, rather than going through that pain. So what's the difference in your experience and what the normal grief and loss experience is? Well, I think fundamentally, it's what does the pain mean? What does it mean that we're in pain? You know, um, people will brace you for having a painful experience. We're taught 
that it will be painful. We're taught that maybe you will never get over it and things like that. And that just didn't feel right to me. Right. And fundamentally what that is about really is beliefs. And I know we'll get to this in our conversation. Beliefs matter is one of the concepts that I work with. And they matter because they essentially dictate the experiences we're going to have. So I kind of, from the get-go, decided that I wasn't going to set myself up for what everybody else was having and instead would open myself up for what would naturally come. And uh, like I say, I had an experience that, that enriched my, my life and grew my soul, and it wasn't that there was no quote-unquote pain, but I think it was really um, what I came out of it was that pain is part of the process. It's not the process. And that's what you, part of this, working through this book is, is the spiritual workout as you've defined it. Tell us how what you did was kind of a spiritual workout for you as you grieved your partner's loss. Well, I think fundamentally it was that. It's like what are the beliefs that I have about what it means and what happens when someone we, I love has, is no longer physically here. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, that was probably one of the major things. So I, I would review and kind of take, like I just said, some of the beliefs that we have in our culture. I said, hmm, I'm not sure I want to sign myself up for that. Right. I think another concept that I work with um, is be present, which fundamentally means to accept everything as it is right here, right now, in this moment, and then go from there. But that level of acceptance, you know, and that's not a new idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think that um, that was one of the concepts that really um, wove itself through my process and kept repeating over and over again. And it's interesting because I did not write this book uh, with the intent of doing really anything about quote-unquote spiritual workout. But when I was all done <laughs> and ste- you know, stepped back from it, I could see very clearly that on one level, you know, this book is about me doing spiritual workout on my own grief and loss process. Right, right, absolutely. So in that process, you uh, were able to communicate with your partner on the other side. Yes. Can you tell us about that? Sure, and it's not, it was largely through uh, a clairvoyant, uh, which is something I had done for a long, long time before. It was uh, probably a good 10 years since I'd been introduced to that whole idea. And for a long time I went and and then ultimately became friends with with this woman who's a major character in the book because she was really the uh, way that he and I were able to communicate so much of the time. But I have also had a personal, um, been on some sort of a personal quest to be able to do that without her and without somebody else. So in the book I do talk about um, somewhat developing 
those abilities on my own a little bit more. And, you know, after years and years of wanting to see the way she sees, because it's very, you know, you sit with her and she just sees who she sees and you communicate back and forth and it's really very easy. Mm -hmm. Um, But then somewhere along the line I realized that I, the way I am built or however it happens, I tend to be a little bit more... um, clairsentient and maybe claircognizant, you know, clear feeling and, and getting communication from the other side through thinking and how those two work together. So the book isn't really about that, but I certainly touch on my experience so that my communication during that whole year was largely through clairvoyant, but also on my own. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and my ability to do that grew throughout the year. Right, and, and that happened as you began to trust it more. Yeah. Right. I began to trust it more, but also to, instead of chasing down, I want to see, I want to see, instead of chasing that down and stopping for a minute and saying, oh, you know what, if I just listen, um, I, I see that I receive communication, you know, in a different way than my friend does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, and I think that's one of the real important things to understand about our makeup is that each one of us can receive information, but we may receive it differently, and, and, and what that information is would be different for each person, as well as uh, um, um, it's, it's the content, the quality, and how we receive it that makes the difference in us as individuals. Right, and I think that's a really, that was certainly something I learned, mm-hmm. uh, that it's, oh, okay, I don't you know, maybe I will see one day. It could happen while we're having this conversation, and I'm certainly open to that. But um, realizing that, okay, give, me, give myself another shot. And, in fact, there's a story that I tell in the book where he actually helped me to get in touch with that mm-hmm. from where he was and doing what he was doing. Right. And so I know that the question for those that are curious about this would be, how do you know that it was your partner who was communicating to you? Um, Feeling. Okay. And deciding, choosing to trust. Okay. Okay. You know, um, one of the fantastic things for me uh, since this book came out, and it's only been out, what, two months, the feedback that I'm getting so many people are coming to me and telling me their stories. You know, when so-and-so died or crossed over, this happened, and I just wasn't sure. And then the next person has another story, and the next person has another story, and the next person has another story. And they're all the same in terms of, you know, I had this connection with this person. They left their body, transitioned, crossed over, died, whatever word you want to use, and then I had this experience. So that part's the same, but the, the experiences that they are all having, that we are all having, are as varied as we are. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really exciting. So, and m- what happens is most of us have the experiences and then we discount them, is what I'm learning and seeing more and more often. And even when you talk to people who are psychic mediums, clairvoyants, or do, and actually do that for work, so many of them that I've met and talked to said that, you know, in the beginning, they, there was all, that in, in most of their lives there was a period where they just shut it off for whatever reason. Either they didn't want it, they didn't understand it, they didn't, you know, whatever it is. So I, 
And I don't think the people who do it for a living are any different than the rest of us. You know, we, we hear that all the time, that we're all equally able mm-hmm. to have that. Right. So that yeah. action... Go ahead. To me, it means responsible. Okay. We're going to take a break now. This is Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We'll be back in just a moment. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit a-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who will work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back today with Stephen Morrison. This is Authentic Living. And just before the break, Stephen, you were talking a little bit about how uh, being, ha- being able to communicate with your partner and having him communicate with you enabled you to uh, do your own spiritual workout and how that led you to sort of understand what it is to be spiritually responsible. Well, I think I might have been in a spiritually responsible place first, but I think that the 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 larger point is that for me all of this stems from the idea that we are spiritual beings having human experiences right mm-hmm. so if if we kind of buy off on that concept then we know that we are part spirit and so for me all of this communication with the other side is a natural part of our spirit nature, and it's natural to me to be able, given that we are spiritual beings having human experiences, to maintain our communication with the other side. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So uh, really what you're saying is, the, is what we've all heard before, is that we go on. We don't stop just because our physical body has ended. We don't stop, and the spiritual element of who we are continues so, of course, we'd be able to communicate with that. Yeah. And, and trust me, I am no, you know, expert in, in the, this field by any stretch. And I think that's part of the point that I hope to make in the book, which is you don't have to be anyone with any particularly special skills to be able to avail yourself of that. Because if you can't do it, somebody else can do it with you and for you. Right. And just and then once you open to that, then certainly in the world of grief and loss and not restricted to that, you will have a completely different perspective. So when we're talking about spiritual responsibility, I, uh, what I think what you're saying is that spiritual responsibility includes trusting your own innate abilities to uh, correspond with your own and other people's spirit. Exactly. I mean, so once you... Once you acknowledge or agree to the idea that you are a spiritual being having a human experience, that, then to me, spiritual responsibility is the choice to live from that place, mm-hmm. the choice to, in every moment of every day, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that you approach life from spiritual being perspective as opposed to what we might otherwise call human being perspective. Mm -hmm. And then once one makes that choice, there's no one way to go. (laughs) We all know that. Mm -hmm. The way that I've kind of carved out for myself and now it has become my work and, and other people are, you know, responding to it as well is basically, um, 
adherence to and regular practice of what I call 15 contemporary, non-religious, religion-friendly, universally spiritual concepts. So for me, when I say spiritual responsibility, what that has come to mean for me is living my life and using these concepts to approach what goes on in my day-to-day world. Right. So can you tell us more about these 15 concepts? I was going to say, you probably want to know what they are. (laughs) I do. Sure, I I can list them, and they usually come out in alphabetical order. So here we go. Um, They are be compassionate, beliefs matter, be present, choices abound, everything is energy, have an attitude of gratitude, intentions matter, Judgments separate us. Listen to inspiration. Mind and body are connected. Take responsibility. The law of attraction governs us all. We are all connected. We are here for a reason. And the last one is we belong to the planet, not the planet to us. So my life now is I basically, it's like these concepts form a lens through which I tend to see the world. And so it's kind of the way I've been living my life for the last 10 or 12 years or so. Mm -hmm. And I used to be a psychotherapist, and as I practiced and learned more and more of these concepts and saw how they repeated over and over and over again, I found in my work with clients that there was a really pretty significant gap between what people said they believed. So they might say, oh, yeah, I believe in all those concepts. But their lives seemed utterly divorced from them. So I thought, well, I think this might be my job (laughs) Mm -hmm. to help people see where these concepts show up in their day-to-day lives. It's not interesting me to... It's not interesting to me to sell these concepts to people, but when they are already kind of, when they've already bought in, then it's very exciting to me to help them see how they can practice them in their daily lives and, you know, see real improvements. And like I say, it's not, it's not the only way to go, but it works for me and it works for uh, the people that I've worked with and right. still do work with. Absolutely, and I'm so glad you're able to, to make that distinction that you're making working now from the spiritual base. I, I uh, am also a psychotherapist who does transpersonal therapy, and I, and I guess one of the things that I see in what we call cognitive dissonance here is that whole idea that my beliefs do actually make us behave and think in certain ways, and so... When, for example, we come to concepts like the first of your 15, be compassionate, we find that people say to themselves, well, of course I'm a compassionate person, and that is because I always try to understand things from the other person's perspective. Mm -hmm. But not knowing the other person's perspective and uh, uh, attaching our own projections to that perspective leaves us very limited in terms of, uh, of being able to actually actualize, if we can put those two words together, a real compassion, uh, so that we end up sort of pretending that we're compassionate when we're not. Um, Can you speak to that a little bit? 
Well, as I was listening to what you said, what, what struck me is the elasticity of each of these concepts and the ways in which they stretch to include different things. Because I think you're right. On, on the surface, most people would say, yeah, I'm a pretty compassionate person. But then when you really work with this concept for a while, you see that compassion um, means lots of different things, and in different situations it means different things. For example, uh, I think it's a fairly common experience for us to love somebody and see them go down a path that, you know, we can see the writing on the wall, we can see the train about to wreck, and they don't see it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> while there's always room for aiding and assisting and influencing and doing what we can, to me, sometimes the most compassionate thing is to simply allow somebody to have their experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, so that we don't become stuck in sort of a rescuer role or a teacher role, but rather genuinely give a person over to their experience. Right. And then, so the question becomes, well, how do I know? How do I know if today is the day to just let them have their experience, or is today the day where I really need to step in and do an intervention or something? Mm -hmm. Well, that's where I go to the concept, listen to inspiration. Mm -hmm. That idea that we have within us, that intuition, you might call it, um, a way to know when we are on the right path or not for us. Right. Sort of an internal guidance system. Exactly. Right. Which, for me, fits under listen to inspiration. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can start to see how these concepts just bounce back and forth. So in a spiritual workout in the classes that I, I, don't, I don't think teach is the right word. It's more like facilitate. Mm -hmm. We just work with what's going on with somebody's life. I don't get up there and lecture and, you know, give the ten reasons why you should think that your beliefs matter and the science behind it or the spirituality behind it or any of that. But it's like, okay, Sally, what's going on in your world today? And this is that, and boom. Mm -hmm. Unlike when I used to sit and do psychotherapy, where sometimes we would just spend hours, weeks, months, you know, going very deep into whatever the situation is. Oftentimes in my class, it's just, you know, two or three sentences is pretty much all we need sometimes, oftentimes. Absolutely. It's like, ah, oh, this is an example where your beliefs matter, or are, you, are we clear on what the intention is here, or how are you feeling, you know, and then we're just kind of in. Right. Okay, and spiritual intention is something I, will, I intend to get back to in the next segment. This is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living. Sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. 
grunt? Yeah, be like, oh, there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to off. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Hello, we're back with Stephen Morrison, author of An Extra Year, Grief and Loss in the New Age. And Stephen's been telling us today about the whole idea of taking responsibility for your own spiritual workout so that you can 
grow through what happens and it becomes a, a, an avenue of spiritual awakening rather than just the normal grief and loss that we hear about every day. Uh, I said in the, uh, before the break that I was going to talk about intentions as one of your 15, um, what did you call them, 15? Contemporary, non-religious, religion-friendly, universally spiritual concepts. There's no way I could have said all that, <laughs> so I'm glad I got you to do that for me. <laughs> um, uh, so, intention. Uh, how, what does that mean? We talk about, well, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. What, is, what does it mean to be an, have an intention? in terms of spiritual responsibility? <clears throat> well, in terms of spiritually, spiritual responsibility, I think it means to have your intentions consciously. Mm-hmm. You just said an interesting thing, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We all hear that. What I've come to believe is the road to heaven is paved with honest intentions. Mm-hmm. And I say that only because I think oftentimes we are not very clear or honest with ourselves, or conscious of what our intentions are. Now, intentions matter. That's a spiritual concept because it's really one of the two, from where I sit, primary components of the law of attraction. Now, we know the law of attraction is always on, always working, and and everything is vibrational, and we get what we think about. But when we are moving forward and deciding to live consciously, spiritually responsibly, then intentions become a tool uh, for navigating through and creating the exact kind of experiences we want to have. Right. And, you know, there are plenty of books and teachers about, you know, who who can teach and, and talk about that in far greater detail. But once we're there, what I find is that okay, we know the law of attraction is always on, always working. We're deciding in this moment to create a different experience. So to me, the intention is, you know, what's the want? What's the desire? What's the goal? Whatever those words are. And then I like to just turn it into and then use the language of intention. So it's very different. I want a brand new car is a different statement than I intend to have a new car. Exactly. Right? So the intention is kind of the first thing. It's, it's the thought that we put out there, and we know that it's going to attract to itself other thoughts like it, and then we will walk into that when our beliefs, for the most part, are in line with that. So I intend to have a new car, but if underneath it all I've got this thought that comes right up and says, well, that'll never happen then I'm playing, I'm toggling between my intention. That really is my intention. That's my desire. What do I have to do on a belief level to make sure that I don't have any energetic blocks between me and my desire? Right. And, and part of that, I guess, would be in, in, ter- in doing the spiritual workout would be what is it that I'm intending? What, what are my beliefs intending for me and what what am you know, what is the conscious intention, which, like you said, was to get a new car, what are my beliefs intending for me? Right. And, and, and spiritual responsibility to me has to do with making all of this conscious. Mm-hmm. We're doing it all the time. Now, when I said earlier that the, the road to heaven is paved with honest intentions, because I think that oftentimes when we're not yet 
trained and spending a lot of time doing this consciously, we have intentions that either conflict with one another or that we're just not entirely clear about. For example, I worked with a client once, and he was talking about his job and his work, and he was way high up there, big corporate exec guy, uh, doing all the things, and, but not loving his job. You know, but he's got the house, he's got the wife, he's got the kids, got the private school, got the country club, got the vacations, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about his work. So I say, well, what's your intention for, for having this job? And he was very clear and said it was all about providing for his wife and, and giving the kids the best shot at life that they could possibly have and all of that. And we worked a little bit and a little bit more, and it turns out that <clears throat> really what not that that wasn't true, but what was more true was um, it was really for him about his ego. It was, at, it was how he got strokes in the world. Right. So, so do you feel or see the distinction there? Absolutely. So the story we tell ourselves about what we intend is not necessarily what we're truly intending. Right. So to me, spiritual responsibility is, you know, sometimes requires mining through that especially when we find ourselves living in something that we don't want to be living in. Right, right. So this whole thing about spiritual responsibility is indeed the growth process. It's about becoming conscious of, the, of the, who we really are as opposed to who we think we are. Yeah. Okay. So it's not necessarily one where we would say, well, my spiritual responsibility is to go out and bring other people into the light. Well, it might be for you, but it isn't necessarily... That, that might have nothing to do with what I'm here, but I can still be a spiritually responsible person. Right, okay. So, um, well, the reason I asked that question, let me just say this. The reason I asked that question was because sometimes I think when people hear the word spiritual responsibility, they think in terms of what I'm supposed to be doing ethically and morally and maybe religiously, if that word, if religion comes into the picture, or... Uh, what I'm supposed to be doing for other people to get other people to, to, you know, whatever, wake up, be saved, whatever that is. Right. And, and uh, I, I, I find that a bit confusing that our, spirit, uh, our spiritual journey takes on the sort of modus operandi of fixing other people in some kind of way. Well, so. what I hear in that is kind of what my work is all about is um, kind of a disconnect. It's like spirituality is over here, and here's my life, unless I'm, I'm misunderstanding it, right? So here I'm living my life, but if I'm going to be spiritual, then I should do these things over here. Right. Now, my work and my whole point is, okay, that if that's your mission, that's what you're here to do, that's your passion, you're listening to inspiration, that's what you want to do, go for it. But my point is that... It's on all day, every second, nonstop spirituality is always on. So how can we see it and touch it and feel it and experience it in our day-to-day lives when we're driving to the store and picking up the kids and going to work? It's about bringing it into our lives instead of thinking about it as this separate thing that we'll do on Sundays and every other Tuesday. Right, exactly. So really what you're saying is there's not a way to not be spiritual. 
right. Now, not everybody walks around thinking they are, and that's fine. That's why I say that, you know, you pretty much, in order to at least benefit from what I do, you have to pretty much already say, yes, I'm a human being having a human experience. I get that. And then based on that, I'm going to choose, choices abound, I'm going to choose to live from that place and operate from that place so that when something happens, I will look at, you know, it's kind of that old teaching, you know, to be in the world, not of it. Yeah, in the world, not of it, and 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 we hear that as being as so many of us hear that in terms of uh, spirituality, meaning I must live righteously rather than I must fully live. Yeah, yeah, right. So what you're talking about then is to be fully alive. Yes. Right. Okay. At least well, that's what it feels like to me. Right. Okay. No, that makes sense to me too. And so the law of attraction, uh, we've seen a lot written about that. And for some, that's taken on the tenor of, of um, I'm going to just make myself rich. Um, and even I use the example of the new car, and I know that, that you know, it's not just about that. Right, of course it's not. But, but we do have the ability, I think what you're saying is we do have the ability just naturally as an innate function of our spiritual beingness in a human body, the ability to draw to ourselves what we intend. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's kind of, that's what they're teaching us at the dawn of this new age, right? Right. All those books and it's all coming out and people are, you know, I think if you Google Law of Attraction, you come up with 10 trillion things and, and yeah, so the question is for... For me, you know, when everybody was flipping out over the secret, I heard a lot of talk about, oh, it's terrible because all it's doing is telling people they can have a million dollars and they don't have to do anything or they can have the big mansion. And to me, I thought, well, who cares? If somebody learns that they actually do create their reality, that they can much their with all of that, Okay, and we're going to take a break. This is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, 
Holistic Ministries, Parapsychic Science, and Holistic Theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Over there? Over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Stephen Morrison, author of An Extra Year, Grief and Loss in the New Age. And we've been talking today about this whole concept of the spiritual workout and our responsibility to sort of work out our spirituality in our own minds and, and hearts. And um, so I want to say we were talking last time about the law of attraction and how that works. And um, you were saying that the secret was a, a sort of, there was a lot of talk back then when the book first came out that um, it was just teaching people how to get rich or how to think they could get rich. And But what you're saying is more along the lines of just a recognition that if we're spiritual beings having a human experience, that we have the ability to attract or manifest our beliefs, I guess is what you're saying. Well, we already are. Right. And what's exciting about living now is we can start doing it consciously instead of by default. Right. You know, and if somebody, you know, I learned that concept by changing my belief about parking spots. Somebody else might learn it by, you know, creating for themselves a $5 million house. Right. To me, it doesn't matter. The, the process is exactly the same. And once more and more of us are using it and practicing it, we will see that we can do it with everything. Mm-hmm. And if we want to create world peace, we can create world peace. Right, I agree, totally agree with that. And so how does gratitude, if, I, if I'm the person who is bringing about the manifestations, how does gratitude fit into that? 
Well, to me, gratitude is the notion that, again, every spiritual being, everything, everything that we see, do, have, experience, is from some other source. Everything. And so that it's the idea that everything is alive, and, so the, and that source is in everything. And what is that source? And that's, to me, uh, it's that... So having an attitude of gratitude, knowing that that's always the case, and being grateful all the time for everything because it's coming from some other thing, which then, by its very nature of having the attitude of gratitude keeps us connected to source, to spirit. Okay. So the, the spirituality that I am as a spiritual being having a human experience is connected to this source. And because it is, I can be grateful to uh, my circumstances as they manifest through my beliefs that I am able to manifest and, and, and all that is is a part of that manifestation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so choosing to express gratitude for that is fantastic. And choosing to express gratitude for anything is fantastic. And I say fantastic, that's a judgment, but it, in the sense that it does, it keeps us connected. A lot of times I use uh, gratitude to... Um, help just get present. You know, if I'm walking around and things are going crazy and I've got this going on and this going on, I'm not sure what to hear. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me just stop right here, right now, present moment. And if I can express gratitude for 25 things right there, two minutes later I am completely present. Right. Connected. Right. So it's also a tool. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, I know that there are people out there listening to us today who might want to contact you. Tell us about your website. Well, right now, the best way to reach me would probably be at the website for my book. It's an, an extrayear.com. And actually, that's an extrayear.com. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you can read the introduction, the first chapter of my book right there on the website, and you can easily contact me from that site. I do have another one called spirituallyresponsibleliving.com, but it's kind of under construction right now. So anextrayear.com should do it. Right. And you teach classes where you are in your hometown, and you can also provide phone sessions for people who are not in Idlewild, California. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah, I find that it works, you know, quite well. Right. Right. Well, it is a very individual journey, and the guidance that you give to help people to make that journey is just really one of sort of your own personal guidance and inspiration that says you can be there for other people. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's a big part of what I'm here to do, apparently, because it's in front of me. It's been in front of me. I love it. I'm energized by it. So that when I listen to inspiration, that's pretty much all I need to know that... Uh, that I'm in the right place. Right, right. So after all, having written the book An Extra Year, uh, the whole process of grief and loss that you went through at the loss of your partner really was your awakening. You know, it... Not exactly. For me, I think it was an 
underscoring okay. and um, putting in boldface kind of where I think I already was. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book that the experience really forced me to practice what I preached, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and to really put uh, the screws to myself in a sense. It didn't feel that way. But saying, okay, you're out there, you're teaching all this stuff, and people create their own experiences. What kind of experience are you going to have? Mm -hmm. You know? So by the time I came through it, it wasn't so much an awakening as an affirmation that I was on the right track. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that fair? Sure, absolutely. D um, and so um, are you still communicating with your partner? We do still communicate, but it is nothing like what I describe in, in, the, in the book and during that first year. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're, <clears throat> and, and I tell this in the book, too, you know, there came a point where it was obvious that the level of communication we were having was no, while it served us both very, very well during that time, you know, would no longer serve us. It would start to hinder, you know, his development and my own. Mm -hmm. So... I'm continuing on here. I know he's continuing on there. We definitely still have a connection that's never going to change, and we do still communicate, but it constantly changes and evolves. Right, right. And that, I guess, is what that, the whole acceptance part of that journey would be. If you think about it in, in the normal terms of grief and loss, we go through those Stages, but you finally get to acceptance, and that is sort of letting go and letting letting life be what it is. Mm -hmm. And the, exactly, and then also the nature of the way our communication has changed, and it changes all the time. You know, what I go back to concept-wise is, and then this might be a bit of a stretch. We belong to the planet, not the planet to us. And just briefly, one of the ways that the planet manages itself. The nature of nature is to be in a constant state of change, right? Right. And so sometimes when we resist change as humans, which I think we all do, I certainly do, what I like to do is use that concept as inspiration to allow the change. In other words, if I allow the change and I don't resist it, then I now align myself with the nature of nature, the nature of the planet, the living, breathing planet to which I'm connected it changes all the time. When I allow change the way it allows change, that in itself is a spiritual pursuit. Absolutely. And that's very well, very beautifully put. Stephen, thank you so much for being on our show today, discussing your book, An Extra Year, Grief and Loss in the New Age, and t teaching us all more about this whole issue of spiritual responsibility. Well, thank you, Andrea. It's been a pleasure. Okay. And we'll be back next week with more. We're talking, we'll be talking to Dr. David Hawkins next week. Look forward to that. And this is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living. Just remember, your job, should you accept it, to give birth to
Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.